1: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive
2: free dessert.
0: Who think going to beat
2: It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Glisco. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you.
3: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, Joe is back. He's been Captain America. He has saved the world and is back to talk about the Bengals again. Joe, how many times did you throw your shield and have it come back to your arm like magic on Halloween?
2: Zero. I can't throw that thing. That's a full metal shield. I don't think I'd be able to throw it. I should have tried,
3: right, at least once. I didn't try to throw it one time. You got to like go to a nice padded room, like maybe a gymnastics place for kids without any kids in it. You know how they have the foam pits and stuff and just let her rip into the foam pit, see how far you can right. get. it. Yeah, the foam pits would work. I was thinking,
2: uh, I mean, obviously I could just go to the park and do it, but it would. I feel like it would just get so dirty.
3: Yeah, you'd I'd hit a rock or something and dent it up. You want, mm-hmm. want the nice soft surfaces. You're right. So anyway, Joe's back on the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about the biggest news. We'll get there in just a second, but then we're going to talk, get Joe's take on some of the big stories from last week that I handled on my own, because I'm sure you all want to hear his spin, his perspective as well, and he has some good thoughts. But, in an event that I don't think many of us saw coming, in a matchup between two of the very worst teams in the league, the Jets look like a dysfunctional disaster, the Dolphins intentionally, it seems, tanking, but the Dolphins end up winning Pretty easily, without much drama, the final score, 26-18 to 18, as the Jets kicked a field goal toward the end of the game to make it a one-score game. But that means for the Bengals, who have to play both of these teams yet this year, the the coast is clear. If they don't win a game from here on out, they have secured the number one pick. But looking at schedules for all these teams going forward... New York plays Washington next week. Miami plays New York again. Both these teams play the Bengals. And looking at Atlanta's schedule, I think they're the dark horse for the number one pick because they don't have very many games that look winnable on the schedule in a pretty tough NFC South. Yeah, it's going to have to come against the Bucs. Maybe they can steal one against the Panthers and the division. And
2: yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Miami ended up Uh, in the second, third, or fourth spot, or Atlanta getting past them and ending up in the first spot. But that wouldn't be so bad looking at these teams. You would think the Jets and the Falcons wouldn't draft a quarterback, right? So if they get ahead of the Bengals, that's not the worst thing. But I think the key here today and the point here today is that the Bengals control
3: their own destiny from here on out. They do and they don't, right? Because this team isn't going to go out there and lay down and lose games on purpose. They are starting Ryan Finley, which probably makes it harder for them to win games unless Ryan Finley comes out and surprises (laughs) us all. We talked about this on the podcast last week, but Ryan Finley has shown the ability to throw with anticipation, to throw with touch, to move in the pocket, does not have arm strength. And sometimes you wonder if his ability to move in the pocket is more of an issue of being maybe a little bit oblivious to pressure rather than managing it well, but we'll have plenty of opportunity this year to get a good feel for what Ryan Finley brings to the table is apparently Zach Taylor just told Andy Dalton when he asked that they just need to get a feel for what they have in Finley because they're going to be in position to draft a quarterback.
2: And that's like the first sign we have that the Bengals are even aware that a next season or the, or next year's draft is actually going to happen, right? Normally they operate on a year to year basis and just, oh, we think we can win this year. We like the guys that are in the building, you know, all those, inside the the franchise mantras that really don't seem to pan out every year for them but to say to Andy Dalton and have some awareness that they need to figure out what they're doing before the draft approaches pretty much admitting that they're going to be picking top three I think that shows at least some awareness and some hope that maybe Zach Taylor is the one that is uh, you know the one
3: behind it of hey if we get a quarterback or get his quarterback uh, that's goal number one at this point. I think that is a really interesting point that you bring up, especially because we talked a lot last week on the Locked On Bengals podcast about what is the plan? Is there a plan? Are we just pining on hope? But you're right. That is a glimpse of a plan. And this is something that we asked them to do under Marvin Lewis the last three years, right? Let us see these young players to see what you've got in them because you need to do that self-scouting in order to determine How are you going to fix this team in the offseason? What are you going to address in the draft? What are you going to address in free agency? But there is a lot of season left, so they have some time to evaluate these young guys. They have eight games left. That's a long time to get a look at your fourth-round pick, Ryan Finley, and see if he can be the first 24-year-old with a weak arm to be a professional quarterback that's going to win some games out here. Yeah, that's throwing a a lot of negative wait on him as
2: we should i mean it's a fourth round pick that even though he's a guy he liked uh i'm talking about zach taylor and the coaching staff uh, having him say that they need to know what they're going to do in april uh means that even they're not sure what finley is because if they thought he was the guy or the guy that could potentially lead them i think that would be the 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 connotation behind this move right it would be the hey we're putting finley in because we think finley is the quarterback of the future Instead, we're not getting that. It's more of we need to make sure he's not the guy of the future because we're going to be picking top three.
3: Which is great, right? That's something that we would all appreciate. That's an approach that we've talked about in the past. But you're right. I was a little bit negative on Finley there. I'll just reiterate for you quickly his strengths. He's looked cool under pressure. He seems to have a good idea of where to go with the ball. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes, although against NFL defenses, we'll see how that changes but in college was pretty good at managing the game, keeping his team on schedule in a position to be in the game until the end. And those are the key points. He
2: can play within the system, stay on schedule, and maneuver within the pocket. I would say those are three things Andy Dalton has not been able to do through eight games. And because of it, it makes it hard to evaluate the rest of the players on offense. And even it has it, it overflowed into the defensive side, as the defense has been worn out in quite a few games uh, where the offense is, has been inept and punting three and outs how many times in the first or second quarter you can see it start to wear on them so if you get a guy in and Finley doesn't have to be better than Andy Dalton he just has to be a little bit different and changing that variable in this experiment maybe gives you different results with a few other players and it, if you're in evaluation mode this isn't just about the quarterback right it's about
3: everyone on the team you need to make sure you know you know what you have with everyone going forward. And they'll get AJ Green back as part of that evaluation. So we'll get to see Finley with a full suite of the weapons that are currently on the roster. So we'll be back in a second to talk about what's gone on on this bye week, a tumultuous bye week in Paul Brown Stadium in just a minute.
0: Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes.
2: Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance, the alphabet backwards, thinking of Billy Price being drafted before Lamar Jackson, or Cedric Abuehi blocking at left tackle,
3: doesn't always work. If that wouldn't work for you, and I don't see why it wouldn't as a Bengals fan, the folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with something called Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Roman swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed that are effective, easy-to-use, fast-acting, and don't require a prescription, Joe. Roman can ship
2: swipes to you in a discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipe packet is small enough to hide in
3: your wallet for whenever you need it. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash NFL for $10 off and free two-day shipping.
2: So I wasn't here mostly all last week with you, Jake. Actually, I feel like this is maybe like the third or fourth time we've been together in the last three weeks, so I feel like there's a lot we could catch up on and get each other's takes and bounce some ideas off each other. Now that everything that happened in the last week, the the Bengals' bye week, if you will, uh, and trade deadline, now that it's marinated for some time, our thoughts on what happened with the benching, Trade activity or lack thereof with the entire league, actually. And then uh, A.J. Green's comments. I think the interviews with Dalton and Green were both very revealing.
3: Yeah, I think that looking at the future, A.J. Green's a guy who, yeah, I think I believe him when he says he wants to finish his career in Cincinnati. But that means finishing his career in Cincinnati. That means give him another four or five year deal, maybe. Yep. Lock him up for the end of his career. And he has also said, I know what I'm worth. And I think that he's saying, you know, I don't want to be franchised, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to leave money on the table. So I think that means he wants, what, 18, 19 a year to start? Uh, That's your starting point? It feels that way, doesn't it? And the way he was
2: speaking with some confidence that I don't remember him, you know, really talking like that, just saying, like, if he was out there, they wouldn't be winless. He can produce with any quarterback. Um, He's going to be good this late in his career and, and going forward. I mean, When a guy talks like that, I mean, I I wish we heard that a little bit more from him. But when he does, you feel good about resigning him and extending him. And I'd like to see him get out on the field first. And I'm sure the Bengals would also. And him remain healthy for these final eight games. And if that all goes well, and if the Bengals are in position to draft a new quarterback, then yeah, surround him with premium talent. And that includes
3: A.J. Green. Yeah, A.J. Green is not going to hurt your team. And I think with the way salary caps change in the NFL, there's a new CBA coming up after this year. Signing him to a long-term deal is probably going to look really cheap, I'm going to guess, in five years. Even if they pay him $100 million over five years, $20 million a year. I think in like two years, maybe even in a year, that deal for A.J. Green is going to look real good in retrospect. We have to get out of this trap, right, of of thinking, oh, the Bengals, you know, they're not going to give out the biggest contracts in the NFL that's going to be too much money for them. We got into this with Whitworth. We saw it with Zeitler. We saw it Marble with Jones, Jones. We saw it with Sanu. All these guys that they just didn't want to pay. And you look back at those contracts now, you're like, man, I sure wish the Bengals had signed that contract. You look at Quan Alexander's deal. He just got hurt for the 49ers. He's done for the year. But his coverage grade for PFF was great. And he yeah. he maybe didn't quite earn that money, that contract level. The 49ers fans love Quan Alexander, love his speed, say he transformed the defense, right? And yeah, maybe you don't get that full value, but sometimes you need to make those moves because otherwise you're just letting guys walk away and you're just trying to win with 32-year-olds that were last good five years ago. Yeah, I think your
2: point, the best one is that the letting your guys go at the time and thinking, oh, they're not worth that money. And you see this parroted by fans also you can't pay Ziegler that much. you can't pay Marvin Jones that much you can't pay Sanu that much and then within a year it's like why can't they because those guys are completely worth it uh, and they end up being bargains within three years and you still don't properly replace those guys in that time frame. So this isn't you know a reflection I'm not I don't want to talk about the front office making those decisions I, I think part of that comes from the fans too when we say, I, you know, 11's fine for Whitworth on one year, but 13 million, come on, we can't do that. Look how old he is. You know, those decision, that decision-making is stupid. Pay these guys whatever it takes to retain them if they're a good player in their prime, especially like the receivers in in Zeitler were. But with Green, by them not trading him, by, you know, saying, okay, we're not going to do this, we're not going to move, we want him to be a part of this team, they... Have given him a blank check, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't care what they sign him for. They can sign him for thirty million dollars a year. I don't care. I wouldn't even bet an eye and say it's bad. I'd say, well, that's a lot of money, but at the same time, your job now, priority number one when it comes to AJ Green, is retaining him for the next, you know, era, if you will.
3: Especially with reports that they could have gotten a first round pick for him, right? So they made the decision. We're not trading any of our guys. Not only are we not trading green, we're not going to trade Cordy Glenn, who clearly doesn't want to be here. Maybe they try again in this offseason. I think he has one more year on his deal. They might yeah. try to trade Dalton. I'm sure they'll try to trade Dalton before they release. So maybe they can do, and I said this on the podcast, what the Dolphins did with Tannehill and eat some of the money. Not that, I think this is very likely, but then you get a better draft pick compensation. Maybe that makes a trade palatable for any team. But Andy Dalton is going to be a great bridge your quarterback for somebody right one year on his deal 16 million dollars that's not a lot of money for a team that wants to just get by for one year with a guy who can execute a system and Andy by all accounts could do that but 100% agree with you by by not making these trades by keeping these players you got to extend at least the ones that are going to be the the core right and that's pretty much just AJ Green right now
2: yeah, and that means also over the final eight weeks or whenever Cordy Glenn will be healthy because I think he is the next focal point because we all expected him to move. Uh, you have to figure out, is he part of this team? Is he? Does he want to play? Uh, do you guys want him to play? Is, is the rest of the team accepting of him? Can he help you and insert him? Because, I mean, we could end up seeing Ryan Finley with Cordy Glenn, Jonah Williams, A.J. Green, uh, John Ross. I mean, they could be getting sort of healthy at the right time in in order to make them look good. And, you know, I, that's a whole other conversation. We'll get to that too about Finley and how he looks and what we expect. But I'm just saying, you know, these are things you've got to figure out and, and let play out. It was kind of weird looking back. Now, if we say they, second half of the year, they, they play green, he looks healthy, Cordy Glenn plays, plays well, you know, it's a good marriage for the rest of the year. You kind of are going to look back and say, what, the hell happened for the first eight games, especially with Glenn and, you know, green being out as long as he was when they originally projected two to three weeks. And then, Oh, a couple of weeks after that. And then it goes, here we are we're going to be
3: week 10 before we see him. Before you see AJ green or Cordy Glenn, two very important pieces of the offense doesn't even mention Jonah Williams. Like you said, right. And I think that is a really interesting angle that we need to talk about is that Ryan Finley could play with a fully healthy Bengals offense. Now, Injuries are likely to happen between now and then, but if Jonah Williams comes back for say December, if Cordy Glenn is healthy and plays, say he plays left guard, and then Jonah Williams comes in, plays left tackle, they they keep Hopkins at center, Miller gets back at right guard, Bobby Hart's still at right tackle because they have no other options there. But then you have an offensive line that we thought we would have coming into the season. Yeah, I'd take that week. right now. Yeah. And then you get A.J. Green, John Ross out there at the same time for the first time this year. I mean, that's something that I think we all want to see. And, yeah, they can fall into winning some games with all those guys back on the field. And then the question is, well, how much of this do we blame on injuries and how much do we let them blame on injuries? Because if they do and they don't make any changes again, we're going to be right back having these conversations next year with another six-win-at-best football team. I'd like both to be true. I'd like to know that the injuries –
2: derailed some of their plans and limited their scheme and limited some of the upside of, of the surrounding talent uh but i'd also like it to be true that they see it as well teams sign and draft depth or when they sign guys that maybe that draft pick goes to depth and you know you build up uh, the core of your team through free agency now and and I don't want that to sound like you don't, you know, draft is still number one, but you have to build a, a strong section of your team through free agency these days, and you can because of the way the cap is is and the way money is structured. But uh, the Bengals sitting that out for so long, they should look at this and say, well, if we would have signed a left tackle or if we would have signed a linebacker or if we would have signed a defensive end, whatever, whatever position you want to throw out there, because Shaq Barrett was one of the guys they almost did get. Um, so it had those – of deals have taken place, or have they have done that? The injuries wouldn't have affected them to the point of zero and eight. If injuries are the reason they go from zero and eight to four and four, well, then don't let those injuries be the reason you go zero and eight again, right? Sign some players. Sign some players so that your draft pick end up being depth players and bonus players at that point.
3: Also, four and four, that that can't be the goal, right? If they go eight and zero over the last eight games of the season, then you're having a different conversation. If they go four and four over the last four games of the season, that's not good enough over the course of a whole season anyway. Right. And now we're drafting what? eighth, Six, right. Yeah, in that range. Back half of the top five. And and you can't plan to lose. They won't plan to lose. But it's just, as a fan, it's just, I don't know. It's just really hard to grapple with a season like this that is just as bad as it's been in 16 years, right? So trying to figure out how to approach this as a fan, to, to have some hope to look for something to look forward to and hang on to is a bit of a challenge. So let's in a minute here, Joe, get to Andy Dalton and his comments because Zach Taylor is, is really not telling us anything new, right? He's focused on 2019. He's focused on winning with the guys they have, but Andy Dalton gave us some insight in his most candid interview, probably in, in his career.
0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com credit card.
2: Andy Dalton spoke to the media the day after uh, being told about his benching and replacing. And to be honest, I think that was a very uh, good interview from him. You could definitely see the emotion, the fire, the the energy he had. He he was frustrated. He was mad. I think, uh, you know, he definitely felt it the last 24 hours before that. But the one great telling quote, that I think uh, gave us one slice of glimmer of hope was this. Uh, He said he has to think about the future with the draft and uh, we have to see what we have in Ryan. Uh, That's what it came down to. He, you know, it has been voiced to me. I was in no reason, you know, I wasn't the reason for the way the season has gone. Just felt like I played well and, um, you know, have done some things to keep this team together in this stretch but he just feels like he's got to figure out what they have in Ryan. So the part about figuring out what they have in Ryan Finley and having an eye towards the NFL draft upcoming, I think are, are the parts we're taking away from that uh, besides the candid uh, responses and, and answering questions of, of Andy Dalton and the fire he showed uh, having some idea that they're having a plan because that's been an argument for us for a while. I think from a lot of fans, what is the plan Do they have a plan? Do they know there's a future at all? And knowing that, well, at least Zach Taylor told Andy Dalton he wasn't part of the problem and that, you know, he did a lot of things to keep the team together. But he needs to see what Ryan Finley can do shows part of the plan. And I think hopefully we see more of this all over. I mean, you know, keep inserting Billy Price at left guard, uh, start Jermaine Pratt, go down the line. We need to see what these young guys can do at every position.
3: Yeah, and hopefully Darius Phillips gets healthy, and he's one of those guys we can see down the stretch. Would love to have seen more from Devontae Harris, who's playing pretty well by most accounts for Denver at this point. Jordan Willis is even having a good year.
2: That's right. So
3: some of these guys that got cut by the Bengals going on to have success elsewhere, but thinking of the guys on the Bengals specifically... You know, give Billy Price some more chances to show that he can play left guard for sure. Agree with that. But if he doesn't do it, then get Mike Jordan back in there, right? To see if he, with some more time under his belt, has figured anything out. He actually played pretty well as an extra lineman against the Rams in London. Had a pretty good game. So, And, and then he filled in at right guard. And so if Alex Redmond is still hurt, we won't know that probably until Wednesday, maybe Tuesday press conference. Uh, then, then we'll know who might play right guard. John Miller probably coming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah.
2: Redmond is supposed to miss a couple weeks. Uh, Miller it should be reinserted. So, uh, yeah, we get a chance to see that again. And, and maybe we get Fred Johnson active and maybe playing one of the guard positions if Miller can't play or if, if uh, on the left side, Billy Price continues to struggle. You know, Johnson was someone they claimed from the Steelers, and maybe he can play.
3: And there's a lot of people that think that there's some upside with Johnson, so that will be interesting. But back to the topic of Dalton. I think it's interesting that we're getting the insight from his interview, and and Zach Taylor continues to kind of take the line of we're trying to win in 2019, and I get it. It's a hard place for Zach Taylor to be, and he comes into a team that hasn't won for three years, has a really bad reputation nationally. No, you know, you see it from Carson Palmer this week. You see it from Jason LaCanfora from Yahoo Sports. All Adam these, Schefter. Yeah, all these Adam Schefter really laid into the Bengals. Adam Schefter usually is just a guy that's reporting the news first. There was some subtext to some of his reporting on the Bengals inactivity, but then he was just like, Man, if this team was acting rationally, th- these are trades that would happen, right? Right. I mean, New Orleans was, supposedly tried very hard to get AJ Green. He was laughing
2: when he was reporting. Like if you just read the transcript, you can't tell. But yeah, he was um just, you know, saying if this is a normal team and then laughing that it's the Bengals. It was it was. Uh, yeah, for a guy that probably talks to all 32 NFL teams, you could tell there was, you know, a situation there.
3: And it's easy to pick at the Bengals, too, right? We've talked about sure. this a lot on this podcast. You know, the two scouts, the, the first round picks that can't stay healthy. But you don't have to go that far back to look for the last time they had success. And this came up this week because of the Carson Palmer stuff. Did you read that stuff, Joe? I
2: did, and yeah. I, I listened to it actually, which had a little oh, okay. bit different context to it. Interesting. Um, just yeah, just because like people were, were, I think people took away from it how it sounded like he said the the you know he had success with the Raiders, which he did not. He only had one winning season with the Cardinals, mm-hmm. so people were picking apart what he said. But I think to me the the overarching point is that the players felt more pressure to perform because they knew they really weren't getting help from the rest of the organization. The organization wasn't putting the best foot forward to prioritize winning and bringing in players that would help them win. And, I mean, he's not wrong, right? If that's the, if that's the point and the one we should take away, which I think we should, because of, he's not the only person who has said it. I mean, I, clearly, over the last week, we've heard it from multiple people and, and even other retired players. Um, it's, I think that's the point and the point that hits home, that it needs to change from the top down.
3: But, Joe, Carson Palmer wanted Terrell Owens, and the Bengals signed him. So, okay. clearly, Carson Palmer is a buffoon.
2: Well, Terrell Owens got $1 million or something like that for that one year. So, yeah, of course. I'm sure, I'm sure Carson Palmer wanted a lot of higher-priced players and did not get them. It's it's like saying, I asked for everything for Christmas, and, oh, yeah, I need some socks, too, Mom. And you get the socks, but nothing else.
3: Right. So Carson Palmer points aside because that is still a nerve for Bengals fans to think that he quit on them in the city. What I was getting to there was that the last time this team was good was in the drafts directly before Carson Palmer said he wanted out. And the draft the year that they got Dalton was obviously great. And the year after when they had the picks from Palmer, those three drafts were excellent. They had a great run where they pick up Geno Atkins, they get Carlos Dunlap, they get yeah. AJ Green, they get Andy Dalton, they find Kevin Zeitler, and then they put together a run and people are saying, oh, well, you know, Carson was clearly part of the problem because they were good after that. Well, maybe, but also he also returned two premium picks. So you go back, what, nine years now, which isn't that far back in the grand scheme of things. They had three great drafts in a row with the same sort of scouting staff that they have now. Fewer, actually. So there is some reason to think they could do it again. But at the same time, the NFL is about change and staying ahead of the curve. And you just want to see them adapt.
2: Yeah. And the the point that someone asked me that today, so what has changed from that period? Because this is that we're actually talk, talking about Carson Palmer. I made the same point about that, uh, that if had he have been there, yeah, you want to have Kevin Zeitler and... Um, and Giovanni Bernard. And I, and I know the one pick was directly actually Drake or Patrick, but they were taking a corner that year. They The bonus pick was Kevin Zeitler, from what I understand. Um, so it would have made the team a little bit differently, different. But you probably have a better chance of winning in 11, 12, 13, with Carson Palmer, obviously, because he was better, number one, and number two, because uh, he's not a young quarterback at that time. So point being is what changed? And even 09, right? That was... Andre Smith started right tackling was part of some really good teams. Michael Johnson was a starting defensive end for a long time. Got a big contract. Ray Maluga was okay. I mean, in terms of being a third linebacker, I guess we take him right now, I think. But uh, point being is they had a good stretch of of drafting. So what changed? And my response to that was the coaching staff. I mean, in the time they, they've they lost coordinators like Jay Gruden, Hugh Jackson, Mike Zimmer, even Paul Gunther in the last couple of years, uh, position coaches all throughout that. And the Bengals rely heavily on their coaching staff to scout. So when you have continuity, I think even bad teams can start to get a unified vision and draft better. And I think developing is a big part of having uh, continuity uh, because you don't have a turnover in the staff. Ah, that oh, This guy doesn't really fit me. And you end up throwing him out. And that happens a lot around the league. You see that. So the Bengals had that continuity. By that time, Mar- Marvin was there seven, eight years, and things were actually you know, getting ironed out a little bit. So, uh, yes, the glimmer of hope is there that it's still Duke Tobin and a and couple of scouts, and they could repeat that same success. But some of that is uh, having the right coaches in the room and in the building that, that want to scout and can do it well.
3: And they say that Zach Taylor is in lockstep and mind meld or whatever with Duke Tobin. And we'll see how their second draft goes when they have a full offseason together. We'll see how well they've evaluated the team. But we talked about roster turnover. Now we're just really starting to see it. Yeah. Late into this year, this team is starting to look like a little bit of a different team than they, than they ran out there last year. And we expected to see a lot more of that. So we'll see how that plays out. And Ryan Finley, hey. We'll see what he's got, right? This is the biggest move the Bengals could have possibly made. I don't want – I'm
2: nervous about the Ryan Finley thing. I want him to play well because, of course, you know, who doesn't want anybody that your team drafts to play well? Uh, But it makes me nervous that if he plays too well – and maybe this is wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong on here, Jake, or even listeners. So I want him to play well but not too well because if he plays too well – I don't want it to lead to wins that will cost them the opportunity to draft a quarterback, and I don't want it to get to an opportunity where we as fans or even the organization talk themselves into Finley being the guy. Now, why wouldn't I want that, right? What if he's Tom Brady? Joe, don't you want that? I don't think he is, right? So that's my that's why I'm saying I hope they don't talk him into it, no matter how he plays, because I feel his upside is limited. And at best, if he's Nick Foles, I still want to draft Carson Wentz. You
3: know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have the same concern, which is not that he's going to play well, but that he's going to be fool's gold, right? Right. That's what you're afraid of. If he plays well, great. Then you've got your quarterback of the future, but that means he's played well. Not Not that he's Gardner Minshew out there. If he's Gardner Minshew, I still want a quarterback. If he's, who are other rookies? Kyle Allen, other white Allen that's playing today for... Brandon. Brandon Allen, who's playing for Denver, who, who, I don't know, he started out the game six for nine with two touchdowns, so... If he's either of those guys, I don't want him. If he's Jameis Winston, who, I mean, obviously from a trait perspective, totally different player, don't want him. He has to go out there and show me that he can be special. special. Yeah. When Same you time. have the chance. Yeah, exactly. Like, show me that he can be Drew Brees, right? Then mm-hmm. maybe I'm not picking a quarterback, number one overall. But you're never asking a 24-year-old fourth-round rookie, hey, go be Drew Brees for eight weeks. That's uh, – ridiculous but if he does it right hey exactly then give me chase young all day right or well then you're drafting you know a little bit lower so you're picking i don't know Espenza (laughs) or one of the tackles from alabama instead or something but that's the
2: that's the hard part right if he does play well a lot of people say, well you could have finley and chase young well if he plays too well and they win three or four games goodbye chase young that's not
3: happening taking
2: andrew thomas at tackle or you know whatever the case may be a linebacker or, or, you know, yeah. defensive guy from Clemson. I can't remember his name that's going to run a 4-3. But anyway, Simmons. yes, that's it, Isaiah. Um, yep. So, yeah, all that would be fun and cool if you feel like Finley is a guy. I just – he can't be okay. He can't even no. be good. He needs to be great where yep. I'm like, whoa, the whole evaluation was wrong. Man, this guy is – look
3: at him. He's fantastic. If like he's, he's that, then I'll change. But if not, then we – Go quarterback. Like if an NFL lifting program has improved his arm strength dramatically in ten, fifteen weeks, or whatever it's been since you know he really got into it and since training camp, then sure. But from what we saw in the preseason, he just no quarterback with his arm strength can succeed. Not without like an elite team around him, which is the same thing we have with Dalton, right? So he needs to be great. If he's good and they win, say, for, say we go to the four and four example, they're picking. Six, seven. Okay. At that point, Chase Young's gone. Two quarterbacks are probably gone. Uh, Thomas has probably gone to tackle from Georgia. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at Isaiah Simmons or, or uh, Justin Herbert. Tackle, maybe Herbert if they right, say quarterback. But if you're picking That's a tough balance. Yeah. And it's not like they have extra draft capital either. They, they've Maybe they'll make some of these trades in the offseason. But yeah, he needs to be great, right? or terrible and and the middle ground is just really scary and that also seems like the most likely outcome is is why it's so scary because you look at dalton's numbers and like every
2: metric you can look at he's like twenty eighth to 34th in, in almost everything whether it's adjusted completion percentage or you know grade or how or qbr however you want to look at it he's a bottom quarterback this year and we think dalton's better than that but point being is there's a fairly good chance that replacing him gets you better results. And it could be anybody. I mean, Kyle Allen's playing better, getting that offense to play better than Cam Newton. Is Kyle Allen better than Cam Newton? No, he's not. But he's got the offense on time and doing what what it needs to do to operate and score points. So that's the scary part to me, that if Finley's out there and they score points and keep everything on time and maybe Zach Taylor's offense actually works. Look at this, guys. That doesn't mean that Ryan Finley is the guy. It just means that Dalton definitely wasn't a good fit.
3: And that's going to be the arguments we're going to find ourselves in, right? That's going to be the Twitter conversations, man. mine Finley, hey, look at these, look at these stats. He threw 15 touchdowns and only threw two interceptions, and yeah, but he had AJ Green back, he had Cordy Glenn back, right. and also, I don't know, maybe he's just a better fit. But that doesn't mean anything except for that you feel great about him being your backup, right? right. Or a bridge quarterback. Maybe he needs to start next year sure. because Burrow the line's 20- not ready. Any of these guys, yeah, maybe the lines aren't ready. You don't want to throw your quarterback out and Derek Carr da- David Carrum, Either uh, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah either like. one. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to car your quarterback, right? So you, you, you let Ryan Finley go out there and, he, you know, maybe he has moderate success again. And then he's a great backup. But and it drops- also
2: shows that Zach Taylor's offense can work. Yeah. Because that's one of the concerns we do have. We'd love to know that it does exactly. work before we get out of this year. Because yep. if they're 1 in 15, you know, I'm hoping they don't go in 16, obviously. But if they're 1 in 15, a lot of teams would fire that guy.
3: Yeah.
2: And I don't want to go to, I'm not ready for that conversation yet.
3: No, I, I just – there definitely, I think, are coaching changes that we're going to want to see. We'll talk about this, I think, though, in probably like six weeks. Yeah. I, I don't think we're quite there yet. We'll see how they come out of the bye week if they figure anything out. But if it's more of the same for the rest of the season, I, I mean, we're going to have to talk about coaching changes. And 0-8, I mean, look at Adam Gase in mm-hmm. New York. they should there? fire him. Yeah, I think you get unanimous agreement that Adam Gase, you know what he is. He should be fired. With Zach Taylor, there's still a little bit of mystery left. And we'll see if he can uncover any of that magic the rest of the year. We'll be back to our regular scheduled podcasting this week until I take a little vacation. I'll be away this weekend, and then I'll be back next Wednesday. But we'll be here for the rest of the week, so for this week. And until tomorrow, have a good one, Bengals fans.